my uh, my practice lately for the last couple months actually. Um, been working closely with a couple of teachers and practicing with extending the amount of time that I can consciously spend feeling confident and loved, um, safe, you know, just relaxed and uh, in, in a place of natural well-being. And I came across a, ta um, a talk that a person named Rick Hansen uh, gave. He has a PhD and I, I don't actually know what it is. I think it's, he, he studies the brain and how it responds in meditation. He was part, the only reason I know of him is because Ajahn Amaro had done a few um, panels with Rick Hansen, um, Ajahn Amaro, Dalai Lama, Matu, I forget his name, and a, a French monk. <laughs> They were. They went around. They they had once a year for several years. I think maybe six years. They were part of this panel. It was bigger than than the four of them or the three of them. Um, but uh, so I kind of follow him every once in a while. He gives. He's a, a psychologist and a doctor and a Buddhist meditator and teacher. So he's got a lot of um, videos and TED Talks and whatnot. So I was listening to one of them yesterday, just kind of popped in my, in my head. And, and one of the things he was talking about was the practice of, you know, recognizing when we are confident, when we do feel loved, when we are in a state, a natural state of goodwill and we can and how we can intentionally bring this feeling forward. And it and that's exactly what I've been practicing with, you know, and, and how to stay there, recognize that, okay, I can get there. I just can't stay there for very long. You know, you forget, <laughs> I forget and I go off and I re react to something that comes into my mind or somebody pokes me and I, <laughs> you know, but, having occasions where you feel poked or uh, you get thrown off balance, get thrown off from a place of goodwill, uh, habit, have a habitual way to respond. Uh, that's great practice. It prepares us. I was listening to a Dhamma talk last night uh, by, uh, I mean, last night's Dhamma talk by Ajahn Nyaniko by Gary. And he mentioned, um, you know, the natural state of goodwill, it can be really hard <laughs> to practice, to stay there, to get back to there. Um, I'm actually forgetting exactly what I was gonna point to in his talk, so it might come back up and I'll, and I'll return to that. Um, but the other thought that came into my mind is I watched a new program on Netflix some of you may be aware of this, it just started. 
of a dog trainer. And I watched the first episode um, of a guy that goes in and he trains people with their dogs that are, you know, violent. So this first issue, this first story was about a dog who lived with a homeless man and the homeless man got shot, was killed. And at the same time, then he, the dog also got shot and the shot blew off the dog's shoulder. Uh, the dog was saved and given uh, animals now have three chances, I guess, maybe before they're euthanized. And this dog was on his third uh, chance and this man adopted him. And the dog and the man bonded very, very close, but nobody could come into his house. The dog would attack and he's, and he bit two people. And if he bit another person, he'd have to put the dog down. And he was just petrified. So he brought in this trainer. Make a long story short, trainer was able to connect with the dog, took the dog away, brought it back three weeks later. And the dog was trained. <laughs> he, he was calm and he was happy and so he had all these reasons and he was telling him how to do this and so the trainer asked this guy to brought the dog home and he asked him to bring a friend over to for the dog to meet and then, and then he was going to show him how to be appropriate so that the dog wouldn't bite and actually would accept uh, his friends and so the so he said yeah, I've got this friend, he's coming over. He did warn me that if the dog bites him, he's going to sue me. <laughs> and so this guy was really nervous. So the guy arrives, the stranger, the friend arrives and he, he walks in the door and he immediately goes up to the, the dog, goes up to the dog and, and does this, you know, like, oh. And the dog starts to bark and growl and, and the, the trainer, jumps jumps in right away and the dog didn't bite him but he was he was trying to bite him he attempted to bite and the trainer pointed out to the guy that was visiting that you can't approach an animal that has been traumatized such as this in the way you're doing your cow you're you're coming over the animal and this animal is scared you know and he's protecting He's been traumatized. He's protecting the person that he loves and he's protecting himself. Um, and I just, I love that image because it helped me realize that when I find myself off balance, you know, somebody said something to me or argued with me or, and I find myself off balance, you know, it's just like, well, what do I expect? This person is it's like this person has approached me and is poking me with a stick, you know, and my reaction, I don't need to get angry. I need to recognize this person is off balance. This person is scared. That's all it is. You know, if we look at it in a dhammic way, that's all it is. So how can I expand? That image helps me to expand, to practice with, you know, not getting thrown off. It'll take a lot of practice, but not getting thrown off, um, not taking things personally. Uh, this, this guy that walked in, it was just out of ignorance. He actually thought he was being friendly. 
you know, somebody that's, that um, is unhappy with me, they may have good reason. And if I, re, if I react and respond defensively, I'm not gonna be able to hear what that reason is. Um, and if, if they are more aggressive than I'm comfortable with, that's because they're scared or they're uncertain, they're off balance. So that's just their stick. So it's like, oh, if, and we can't see these things when we're entangled in our fears. You know, when we, when we, it, our fears will make us slip, it'll make us fall, it'll make us tumble, it hurts, you know, and it's, and it's not, our, our fear is not allowing us to actually see without being defensive. And when we're defensive, we can't see clearly. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that uh, we ignore fear. It just means we don't want to follow those habitual thoughts of defensiveness when we notice that fear comes up. Um, Rick Hansen has this other practice that uh, he, he talks about in three steps on helping us to deal with our triggers uh, when we get thrown off of a place of goodwill. And that is to practice uh, knowing when we get thrown off, feeling the difference, the loss of goodwill, the loss of clarity. Uh, pra practice knowing that, okay, I've, I'm thrown off. Because that's a, that's a good thing to recognize. When we get thrown off, for myself, I'm using fear. It could be anger, it could be jealousy, it could be all sorts of things, whatever your habit might be. I have a big habit of fear coming up and interrupting my ability to see clearly. So, so, um, so that's what I'm using. So practicing knowing what throws it off, when it throws us off. Oh, I'm thrown off. Knowing then that goodwill is not it's not present, it's not accessible. We're, we're that for that moment, if we don't recognize the fear or the jealousy or the um, reactive uh, nature toward self-defensiveness, if we don't recognize that, then we're gonna start following the thoughts that come up, the habitual thoughts that are about self-defense. It's all about me. And it's all about pushing the other away. So if we don't recognize this is just fear, then we'll follow that. If we recognize this is just fear, we can stay with the reality of this is what it feels like in my body, keeps me present, and we don't, and we can intentionally then not follow the thoughts. It, it takes a lot of practice, it takes a lot of work, but when we don't follow the habitual thoughts, but see them, so we recognize this is what I do, you know, don't come near me, <laughs> go away. I don't want it like this. You should be more like me. Why are, why are you listening? You know, this is, these are habitual thoughts that will come up for me. You know, it's, it's great to recognize these because the more we recognize these in the moment, the, the more we can start to see them arise before we take them on as a reality that we have to digest, that we have to respond to the world in this way. I have to push you away. You're, you make me uncomfortable, go away. 
you know, that is based on fear and the lack of goodwill. That, that action, if we take that action. Noticing those thoughts is not taking the action. That's being in the present with what is really going on. That's my habit. So noticing the thoughts, but not taking the action, just saying, no, I, I see it, I'm not going there, not doing that. And it, it just gives us a break, a space between our habitual defensiveness and our action. And when we have that space, we have the ability to not follow our habits that are diluted. You know, this is about, it's all about me and making sure that I'm safe. <laughs> Go away, now I'm safe. It's a diluted thought. It's a really bad habit. <laughs> when we can see that thought come up, we have this, before we take the action, we have space that puts us back in reality and allows us in that moment to recognize that goodwill is actually in that, in that effort. There's goodwill there. That ability to recognize space before action that is not kind, not in line with reality, that effort itself is good. We're willing good. So we have the ability, there's another practice that um, Rick Hansen had, that was right in line with what I've been practicing with uh, some teachings from um, some of my teachers, is we can intentionally practice bringing up goodwill. We can intentionally practice bringing up the feeling memory of being confident, being loved, being safe, you know, and feeling the intention of getting us back into a space of goodwill, we can intentionally bring this up. And so he, he gave this little practice, which I really enjoyed, of think of somebody in your life that um, when you bring them to mind, a memory comes up of feeling loved, feeling safe, feeling confident. And what, what came up for me is being four years old, my great grandma babysitting me. She was a very chubby woman, very short, very chubby, very soft. <laughs> she would babysit me and she would put me next to her and she put her big arm all around me and then she'd read me a book and she'd hold me and she'd read me a book and the memory that came up I could feel her softness you know she had quite large soft breasts and could feel them pressing up against my cheek and her tummy pressing up against my side and my tummy and her reading to me and checking in with me and, and the feeling, I could feel that we can do this. Intentionally bring up a feeling of, boy, in that being babysat by my great grandma, I felt confident, I felt safe and I felt loved. 
So practicing bringing up memories where we feel love and confidence and, and maybe memories where we feel strong and wise and good. You know, what have we done? This is a practice that the monks give us that I've heard on many retreats, you know, before you go to sleep, remember the goodness that you did today. No matter how small it was, you know, I picked up somebody dropped their cane and I picked it up for them. You know, just remember that, that feeling. What does that feel like? What we have a habit of doing is remembering all sorts of things. Many of us have a habit of remembering all sorts of things where we fall down, where we we're off balance, you know, and then we expect that we can stay in balance that, you know, I have an idea that I'm a good person, you know, even though I spend half the day, maybe more thinking about what's not so good, what's not so smart, what's not, what somebody doesn't like about me, what they think about me, you know, our mind, what was that you said? Our mind will incline to that which it frequently ponders. Our mind will incline to that which it frequently ponders. And when whatever our mind is pondering, we'll have an emotional reaction to that. It, you know, I, our thoughts come up and our feelings come up. They come up together. So intentionally paying attention to where our mind is going and intentionally practicing with putting our mind in a place where we feel confident, loved, safe, strong, wise, you know, in good friendship with good friends. And then, you know, the other thoughts will try to bam their way in. I'm just noticing that happening to me right now. Oh yeah, but they say, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not actually listening to you. I heard you. I'm not, not taking that on right now. Grandma, <laughs> great grandma. Grandma Sullivan, you know, and, and then being with that feeling and practicing to extend that feeling. So getting thrown off, knowing when we're thrown off, intentionally regain a centeredness with a feeling of goodwill and stay there just a little bit longer than the last time you know, a fraction of a second, just practicing to stay with these memories that feel good. And as we get really familiar, it takes a lot of practice because we have a lot of habits to doing just the opposite. But as we build this habit of intentionally turning toward, intentionally willing the good, to come into mind and into heart. Willing good, goodwill. As we do this more and more and get familiar, we're building this habit that allows us to stay. We're, we're strengthening our platform in, of goodwill. We're strengthening our platform of willing good. Ajahn Amro. 
I read this little piece. I don't, I don't have a printer at the center anymore. Bonnie's printer broke. So we gave her the center's printer. And so I don't have a printer. So I have to write this out by hand. So see if I can read my writing. Um, uh, saw this little piece that Ajahn Amaro uh, wrote. I'm trying to remember it was unshakable well-being is what it was called. I just wrote that into the, um, typed that into unshakable well-being into my um, computer this morning and came up with this. And I was like, oh, this is, this is excellent. Uh, so this is just a little paragraph. Ajahn Amaro says, my teacher Ajahn Chah would use these terms when he talked about birth and death. He would talk about being born into a hope, being born into a building project, being born into a role of being a monk or a nun. So I feel it's completely valid to think in terms of the freedom from birth and death, from being born, from being reborn into the entanglement and toxic identification that could come with taking hold of a project or a role or a position and so forth. Freedom from birth and death, therefore, means a complete independence from addictive and compulsive attachments, as well as from self-centered attitudes. I'll just read this bit one more. So I feel it's completely valid to think of in terms of freedom from birth and death. So the, like the, the birth of these thoughts coming up that just take us off, you know, or the birth of a uh, thought that we grasp on, oh, I really want that to stay. I really want to have more of, you know, these kind of people around me, this person around me, or I want less of that. You know, we grab onto these and we try to make those things stay. They, we know that's not gonna last, you know, and then we, we suffer. So we go on to the next object, grab for the next object. So we're getting reborn into the entanglement with our, with trying to identify, with trying to grasp on to the, um, to the feeling instead of just allowing it to be seen for what it is. You know, don't need to push it away. Just see it for what it is. It will pass. Don't worry about it. You don't have to recreate that moment. <laughs> so being born into the entanglement and, a, and toxic identification that can come with taking hold of a project or role or position. Freedom from birth and death, therefore, means a complete independence from addictive and compulsive attachments as well as from self-centered uh, attitudes. You know, the defensiveness is self-centered. Being aware of an attitude coming up and a habit of pushing that, uh, you know, getting defensive with it, that's self-centered. I, I said that actually just, just wrong. Being aware of an attitude coming up and recognizing that I don't have to go there, that is not self-centered. That's just seeing habits arise. That's seeing a feeling arise. That's seeing a fear. That's seeing a defensiveness. 
but it's not feeling like we have to take action based on that sense, based on that thought, based on that. That's what self-centered is. I have to do something to this person because they're frightening. I have to bite them. You know, the dog has to bite them because it's being defensive. But when the dog understood with, because this trainer directed the, the, the man that didn't know the dog to that what you're doing is you're approaching it. So the dog feels it has to be defensive. So of course it's gonna bite you. So when the man understood that, he, he sat down, he didn't reach out to the dog. He let the dog approach him. You know, within five minutes, the dog was fine with this guy. So just recognizing this is just a habit. I do not have to take a step in action. I don't have to get entangled. I don't have to protect myself. I can see, oh, this is fear. Don't bite. Oh, this is fear. I have a habit of wanting this to go away. Get away from me. Oh, this is just fear. Oh, I just see it. This is what this is what fear feels like for me. I want to bite. <laughs> Don't get too close. Give me give me a moment. <laughs> and so, oh, that's okay. That's just a thought. I'm not taking action on that thought. That is having some space of not getting entangled with a self-centered view, a self-centered need to take action. I, I hope that makes sense. But it's um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful state to see. Ajahn Sachito talks about this as well. Um, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother Dhamma talk. Ajahn, I'll just see if I can do this really briefly because I'm now out of time. <laughs> but Ajahn Satito talks about how we can, self-centeredness is identifying up to our skin, you know, with this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And he's talking about awareness is much bigger than that. You know, it's, it's not limited to the boundaries of our body and we can actually feel that. Anyway, I'll maybe point to that in another uh, Dhamma talk, but um, feeling that space. One of the things that Ajahn Suchito says is that sitting in the seat of awareness, we see that our thoughts and our feelings of self come into awareness as opposed to awareness coming into ourself. So flipping that, opening up into awareness and notice, oh, these things are coming in. And I actually, with awareness, can determine to stay with goodwill and recognize defensiveness for what it is. It's a self-centered view. So practicing with getting back into, you know, practicing with intentionally bringing in moments of feeling when we weren't in fear, when we weren't jealous, when we weren't angry, when we weren't trying to protect a role that we feel the world owes us because we want it so bad or whatever is going on for us. 
you know, when we practice to let go and to uh, let go of self-centered views and intentionally, by intentionally bringing up moments where we didn't need to do that because we are full of confidence and full of love, just recognizing that place is so very valuable. Strengthening our seat of awareness in goodwill. Letting people enter into this space as opposed to us going out, getting entangled with our self views of defensiveness. 